This is episode five of Parenting 2.0, The Focused Mindset. Today, we're going to talk about how kids communicate. You know, sometimes the things they say when they're upset have a much deeper meaning. And I'm going to share with you some questions you can ask so you can really find out how they feel. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset. The focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Have you guys ever noticed that nonverbal communication is far louder than verbal on many cases? What we say is one thing, but how we say it and the expression on our face is a whole nother matter. And today I want to dive a little bit into that of how we should listen to our kids and the people that we're around to be able to hear what they're really saying and not just take what comes out of their mouth and react to that. But first, full disclosure, this is going to be a faster episode than usual. I won't have as many chances to polish it. I don't even know if I'll be able to put in music because in a few hours, I'm going to be driving down to Reno, Nevada to pick up my daughter. And it's a 10 hour drive from where we live. There's a lot going on to be able to prepare for that. And uh, it would be nice if that was the only thing, but there's been so many strange things that have popped up in the last few weeks um, in our family alone, let alone in the world at large. One thing was my daughter started getting really sick about three weeks ago. This comes from my daughter that has visited the doctor less than either one of my other kids combined. Uh, She may have only gone to the doctor three times for being sick up until now, and she just turned 12. Her stomach was hurting. She had horrible fevers. And we took her to the emergency room on a Saturday morning, and they said she has a kidney infection. They needed to give her a shot of antibiotics because her levels were so high. And the doctor called me because he was concerned about her white blood count, and she went in for a second shot of antibiotics the very next day. And he said that we should go see the primary doctor on Monday so she can start to be uh, monitored. And we did just that. So the primary doctor looked at her, said, okay, you know, let's, let's just see how these antibiotics work out. A couple of weeks later, her fever returned and it was even worse. And she had all the same symptoms. We went back. They said, oh, you have a urinary tract infection, but we just looked at the test that came back from the last time you were at the doctor and it came up negative for a infection in her kidney. That was not what she had at all. And now let's treat the urinary tract infection. So they gave me a second antibiotic and uh, went to the doctor for that. And um, she seemed to be getting a little bit better, although she still seemed a little off. Well, today I get a call from the doctor 
And she took a very close look at the sample that they took with her and realized that she had a rare form that was in her system that can only be treated by one particular antibiotic. And the other two antibiotics that we gave, although it would be a band-aid to the problem and the body would react, it would have never killed all of the germs and it would have continued to come back with force. And when she looked closely, she found that problem. And now I'm on a third antibiotic that's going to take care of it. And first of all, I'm thankful that the doctor took the time to really look at the problem. But it also made me consider reactive versus proactive parenting. Because the doctors were just reacting to her symptoms the first two times. They were like, well, throw this at the problem. We don't know for sure until the test comes back. And she was misdiagnosed on two different occasions. First, kidney infection she didn't even have. And then they got a little bit closer saying, well, there's definitely some infection. And then they found the real problem by looking closely. And I think that's an amazing analogy for being a proactive parent or being a reactive parent. And it's not just one or the other. I don't believe that parents can just choose, oh, I'm always going to be a proactive parent or, man, I'm always reactive. We can't be that black and white. What it is is that sometimes we react. But proactive parents then choose to take a step back and look at the problem and find out if there's further solutions that's needed, and they don't just stop at the reaction. And sometimes they can stop the reaction altogether and think through based on what they know from the past to react even in that moment completely different. So was it wrong for those doctors to try to treat the problem in a, in a, pr- a reactive manner? I mean, that was their job. They needed to, based on what they saw without looking her inside, give the best insight that the first doctor could. But without really looking at her levels, they would have never found out what was the real problem. Reactive parenting is commonly known as parents that just put out fires and react to every one of the problems. And proactive usually refers to parents that will think before they talk and have a well thought out plan for their discipline and that type of thing. But now that we're looking at in this way, sometimes reactions happen and then the proactive part happens. And either way, it's still important to be proactive. It's still important to step back and really look at a situation and find out what's the real problem, not what just seems to be the problem. You see, a lot of times what kids say is not really what they mean. If we simply react to the words that they say, we might completely miss what they're really saying. Just as much as the doctor completely missed what my daughter really needed to be able to get better. And I realized that it is really easy to just react to the words that our kids say And we feel obligated to do so, especially if they say something that rubs us wrong or that we feel needs a correction. But sometimes being proactive means that we start to really listen to what they're saying and read between the lines. And because of everything we know about them, find out if they're trying to send us a message of something else that they need in their life. 
I listened to a podcast recently that really moved me. And in my mind, it really correlated to this subject we're talking about. This podcast is called Simple Families, and it's by Danae, and she has a PhD in child development. I love her podcast. You guys should definitely jump over there and check her out. And in episode 219, she talked about what's called absolute thinking, all or nothing thinking. And kids seem to do this so often. They say, oh, I never want to go play outside again, or I hate this video game, or I love my sister so much, but by the end of the day, I hate my sister so much. And this absolute thinking can really throw parents for a loop because it brings their emotion to a high level, especially if they're saying something as awful as I hate you. And that can pop out of a kid's mouth. And I am certainly saying that we need to address the words they say. But then after we're reactive, we need to be proactive enough to take a look at what they're really saying and maybe help them reframe their words to be able to think a little deeper themselves about how they really feel and what they're really trying to say. So that episode of Simple Families really resonated with me. I decided to take a couple of days to see if I could hear any absolute thinking coming from my family. And I didn't have to wait long because pretty soon my daughter, um, right when she was sick really, and I was just kind of taking care of her, and she was saying, I don't know how I feel about my oldest sister coming home from Reno. And I said, well, why? What's what's going on with that? And she said, well, my two older sisters always leave me out. And that word always just sparked my attention. And I, But I waited because I realized my first thought was to correct her because I've seen many, many situations when she's not left out. And I wanted to say, oh, but what about this time and that time? But in this case, I realized that I needed to hear her out and really hear what she was trying to say. It wasn't about the word always. It was the perception in her mind of what was going on. And that's what needed to be um, listened to. In the last episode, if you guys tuned into that one, you can go back to get more further details. We talked about how the mind works and how it filters out what is important and then remembers those things. And sometimes the memory will cement in uh, something that isn't exactly accurate, but in their mind, it's very accurate because they have lots of evidence to back it up. And in this case, I listened to her and she did have evidence to back it up. She has particular memories as she was growing up because she's eight years younger than my middle child. So as you can imagine, my two older ones that are very close in age and then the younger one that has an eight-year gap. There were many natural things that would happen throughout her childhood where the two older ones could do something that she wasn't quite ready for. She brought up an example of um, years ago when we had a trampoline in our backyard. And she was, man, that was before kindergarten, I believe. And she remembers them telling her, get out of the trampoline. No, we're jumping right now. You can't do that. You need to stand outside. And she remember thinking, I can jump just like them. I'm a sister just like them. Why won't they include me? 
And that stuck in her mind as a time when she was left out. And then she brought up another example of how many times I would say, girls, you need to, and then I would say what needed to happen. And then I would specify Annabelle's name and not include her with the girls. So in her mind, she filtered that as, wait, the girls and Annabelle? I'm a part of this family. Why aren't I part of the girls? Now, of course, in my mind, maybe I just needed the two older girls to do something, and I need to specify with the eight-year younger one, you need to do something different. But see how interesting it is that her mind began to have a narrative, and every time something happened, it would cement that belief in, and yep, you're right, you're left out. That's what's happening here. And as my daughter has come back from college over the past four years, the two older sisters have wanted time to bond and talk about things that people and their teenagers might talk about that are not appropriate for a younger child. And what would they say in those times? Get out of the room. We'll talk to you later. Go do something else. And again, that cemented in her idea that she was going to be left out. And now she's sitting here in my arms, opening up and saying, they always leave me out. Well, we unpacked that and I talked to her about it. And what I said was, can you remember a time where you weren't left out? And she really thought about it. And at first her answer was no. And then after a minute, she said, well, they did let me come in the room and watch the movie with them. And they did invite me last time Cherish was here to go get frozen yogurt. And we listened to music and had fun. And I felt her body relax. So after she thought of those two things, we just sat quietly. And then she said, so I guess they don't always leave me out. And I was moved to emotion to have watched her work that out because there are exceptions but their mind needs to stop and be able to have an opportunity to find the exceptions to what their mind has told them is a solid steadfast rule and so that opened up our conversation to her recognizing that there was an issue and it wasn't the end of our conversation i told her thank you for opening up and telling me what you're seeing and I gave her my word that I would also look and see things through her eyes and notice when there might be situations that she's perceiving that she's being left out or maybe actual times when she does need to be included. And that's going to be a family thing that continues on in the next couple of months. And I'm thankful that I was aware of it. And we never actually had to address that she used the word always rather than that, help her in her own mind find some exceptions to that. And when her mind can come up with some exceptions to that, then her own mind can begin to rewrite the script. And I asked her, I said, do me a favor. Let's look for times when you're not left out. In the next few weeks when she comes back, let's look and see if we can find times that you aren't left out. That's a really interesting way to deal with absolute thinking because sometimes we can help reframe what the child is thinking and help them come to some different conclusions. But other times, 
they have that thinking so cemented in their mind that we might say, oh, no, but remember that time when, and then give them another alternative. And later on, when they're alone, their mind says, eh, that's just, that's just her opinion. You have way more facts than just that one. So when we add to the approach of helping them think of the exceptions, then their mind is working for them and not against them. And we're going to see what happens. I really don't know. I'm going to be keeping my eye on it, and I'm going to be uh, listening to my daughters, and maybe I'll give you guys an update in a little while because, like I said, we're going today to Reno to bring her back. But, you know, another opportunity came up this week. I actually had an amazing opportunity. I was a guest in a webinar for Linda Medcalf, and I've mentioned Linda Medcalf before. She um, wrote counseling towards solutions and she's also going to have a book that she wrote a while back republished I think that's the word republished of parenting towards solutions and she asked me to be on her webinar as a, a guest and it was so exciting because she has been giving back to the community ever since this pandemic started giving away her webinars for free. And she has been able to talk to counselors and I think eight different sessions on the things that she's training and teaching and knows and the knowledge that she has on solution-focused counseling. And when I popped on to this webinar, it was such a great community of people that were all gathered together so eager to learn. And I was able to speak and answer questions about some of the things I'm doing as a solution-focused counselor and a solution-focused coach. And somebody in the webinar asked, what happens if a kid says, well, what I could have done was beat them up, and that's what I wanted to do. And that is actually an answer that I get quite frequently when I'm counseling with older kids and actually younger kids too. Sometimes they say it in a snarky way because they think they're going to, you know, not answer the way I want them to answer. They just wanted to beat them up. And other times they're saying it out of emotion. And it's a very absolute thinking type of, of response, isn't it? Where you say, well, what else do you think could have happened there if the situation was different, if there was a miracle and this problem handled differently? You know what? They're like, oh, I would have beat them up. Well, that's that to me, it triggers that, hmm, I wonder what is behind that. Because they know that there's consequences to beating up. They didn't actually beat the child up. <laughs> they thought about it. So we talked about that in the webinar, and I wanted to discuss that here because when a child comes with that type of thinking and they just are saying, you know what, I should have done the wrong thing, what we need to listen to is what is it that they want? What is it that they need? What is it that they're really asking for? With older kids, sometimes if they hold back from hitting someone or beating them up, in their social world, that's looked at as a weakness. And something within them kind of says, wow, I wimped out. Why didn't I just hit them? Why didn't I just go for it? I got in trouble anyway. I got caught anyway. I challenge you guys, if you ever come across this with your kid or a kid you're working with, rather than addressing the rights and the wrongs of fighting and whether it's justified and why violence isn't the answer, 
Ask something like, well, if you would have beat them up, what would have that done for you? What would have you gotten out of that? And many times you'll find out that they think that they would have gotten respect from the other kids or they would have felt better because they would have been tough. And that opens up a whole new deeper conversation. And that's part of being proactive because now we have something completely different to talk to your child about is what is real respect? What are some other ways that they have felt respect in their life? Who are people that they look up to? How do they react to situations? Now we're giving their mind something to really think on. And they can walk away from that conversation, reframing their thoughts. Another thing I often do to help a child when they say something like that is I just stop in my tracks and go, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me that you felt like beating them up and you didn't? How did you do that? And that usually throws them off because they're like, well, I mean, I, you know, and they kind of stutter. And sometimes I'll even take out a piece of paper and I'll be like, wait a minute, I need to write this down. I need to know how you had that kind of self-control. That actually is pretty amazing. And I'll say, so you're standing there. Everything within you wants to fight and you didn't. How did you do that? And they usually give me an answer and they're usually good answers. They're like, well, you know, I just thought I might get in trouble, so I shouldn't do that. And I write it down. So you thought before you acted, wow, that that's great. What else did you do? What strategies did you use? And I capitalize on that moment. That empowers a child like you wouldn't believe. Those two things, one, finding out what they really desire from an altercation and addressing that issue and two pointing out that there's exceptions there's times when they don't they don't act on every negative thought that pops in their mind and they need to recognize that and find out why you know my child uh, recently especially with being sick and stuff she just hasn't wanted to do very much at all and she started to sometimes stomp around or just kind of be grumpy and one day I asked her to I don't remember what it was now I wish I did uh, maybe I don't know let's say it was doing the dishes I asked her to do a chore and she went ugh and that, that horrible sound, I hope that even comes off on tape. I don't know, like, uh. And then she began to stop and then she softened her feet and she walked up the stairs slowly. And you know what? She didn't do the dishes right then, but I did say, thank you for choosing not to stomp. And then she turned around in a second and said, I was just getting a hairbrush and came back and picked up a dish to clean it. And I didn't know if she really recognized that moment until a day or two later when we were talking. And she says, well, mom, it's just like the other day when I didn't stomp when I could have. So just me pointing out that we're in the middle of an issue here and I'm asking you to do something and you didn't do it. But I recognize that you didn't stomp. Guys, these are things that take practice. I'm not saying that it's easy to be a proactive parent, but I am saying that it is empowering to you. It feels great to try new things. It feels wonderful to ask different questions and dig a little deeper when you can. 
It doesn't mean that we should be overly critical to ourselves if we react to something that comes up. Because a reaction sometimes is us trying to protect the situation or make sure that something worse doesn't happen. And I'm going to continue pondering all of these things we've talked about. Because these are things that I've been pondering and I've been thinking about. And I'm going to keep on doing that because that's the way I fine tune my parenting skills. So let's do that together. I challenge you to put a strong focus in the next week on being a proactive parent in more situations. Maybe just for an hour or two hours of the day, commit to making every decision with a pause, looking at the situation from a different angle before you respond. When you did need to react and your child was in the middle of getting in trouble, to revisit that later in your own mind and see if there was anything you missed. Is what they were saying what they were really saying? Or was there something else that needed to be addressed? Sometimes the first thing we react to isn't actually the problem. Dig a little deeper. Be proactive, not only reactive in the way that you choose to parent. And don't beat yourself up when things don't go just right. And I hope this encourages you to be the best parent that you can be and the best version of yourself moving forward. And I am going to have one busy weekend, but I'm so glad that I got to take a minute just to get this out. Um, It would have bugged me all weekend, honestly. I would have been driving there and thinking and going, why didn't I just take a little while to record a podcast? (laughs) So why don't you guys do me a favor and share this with anyone that you think might need this message and subscribe to the podcast. Um, it's a great way to to make sure that this content gets out and that this podcast gets further shared is when we subscribe and that when you give it a rating. I appreciate it so much. And if you want to, shoot me an email. My email is share at thefocusedmindset.com. That's share, my name, C-H-E-R, at thefocusedmindset.com. So it's time for me to sign off and get moving. And I want you guys to know that you got this. I believe in you. And until next time, take care.